Well, today, today we get to uh, start a new series on parenting, and I don't know if you guys, thank you, Roger, I don't know if you guys uh, are excited about this sermon series, some people are excited about it, some people have come to me and like they've been nervous about it, but this is what I can tell you, this has been a sermon series that's been near and dear in my heart for a long time. I'm glad that we're diving into it because it's important. Uh, Scripture says it's important. And for some of you, you might be saying, well, I'm an empty nester now. Like, what good is this sermon series for me? Well, the reality of it is you play a huge part uh, as you continue to invest in your children. And Lord willing, if you have grandchildren, you play a huge part. And there's a part of this conversation that you're going to be involved in. Some of you are, are single. Some of you are just uh, teenagers, you know, what's in it for me? We just want to give you an idea of what parenting is like before you actually choose to become a parent. And I just want to kind of lean into that this morning. So if you guys haven't seen some of these memes, hopefully you enjoy them. The first one is this, when it comes to learning how to put your child to sleep, how it looks like, but this is how it feels like. Like, right, we got to be like really careful about not startling the child because as soon as the child wakes up from the nap, it's just, it's just a whole nother journey, right? How about this next one? This is what parenting is like in the morning. We're like Mr. Rogers. I asked, I asked one of our newly gra- new graduates, I go, what's that movie? Because I couldn't remember. And he's like, that's Survivor. And I'm like, that's not Survivor, but it feels like Survivor. Uh, castaway, right? Like Castaway towards, yeah, that was, that was awesome. That was a perfect answer. Thank you, Titus. Um, the moms will, will this, you will feel this down in your soul, this next one. Just need some quiet time. Escape to the bathroom. They will find you. They will find you. And then, of course, every single parent gets fooled into this one. Keep them up late. They'll sleep in. No. 5 a.m. It's their time to wake up. Doesn't matter if you put them down at midnight. They're going to wake up at 5 a.m. regardless. Uh, and then anybody that judges you in your parenting, just remember this. This is what they used to do back in the day, Okay. When I was a kid, they didn't even have seatbelts. I just lay down all over wherever, you know, all that stuff, right? And there's anything that I've learned is that parenting is a life skill where you have to learn how to pivot. Thank you. Yes, pivot. Um, (laughs) This became really apparent to me before I was even a parent. When I was a youth minister uh, 19 years ago, uh, when I would be trying to help uh, middle schoolers, high schoolers learn to listen, obey their parents, and uh, hearing fights that were going on at home, uh, different ways that parents were interacting with their youth. And uh, I mean, it was the first time where I began to ask the question, like, what's it going to look like when I'm a parent? What will I do when I have teenagers? Um, At 20 years old, started asking these questions. And I think part of that is just because I was a youth minister, but I think the other part of it too is like, I was coming out of a place where my mom and dad were recently separated, which caused a ton of pain in my life. And I began to look at marriage differently. I also began to look at parenting differently. I started entering into relationships with people that really uh, had very different approaches to parenting than what I experienced as a child growing up. And then I got introduced to um, this graphic, which I want to share with you to start off this morning. 
that the reality of it is for every single one of us that are parents, as soon as you have a newborn child, that child is completely dependent on you. You have full autonomy, full authority over that child. But every single day that goes by, your authority begins to decrease, right? And that's just the reality. They're becoming more and more independent human beings. But at the same time, if there's an intentionality that's involved, as every single day your authority goes down, Lord willing, your influence every single day should be going up. Where yes, they look to you as mom and dad, but they look to you as much more than just an authoritarian figure. They look at you as someone that has wisdom. Someone who has the ability to impart wisdom, to walk beside you, to help you, to coach you, to guide you as they go and make decisions on their own. And when I looked at this graphic, it helped make so much sense to me um, as I watched teenagers wrestle with their parents. Um, hearing parents say stuff like, don't talk to me like that, I'm your father or I'm your mother which is true but what is that parent trying to draw on authority right and the reality is this is the journey for us as parents is learning how do I actually walk beside my kids as they're becoming more and more independent and really what does scripture say about this what does scripture say about our role as parents as we go through this sermon series uh, we're going to kind of start it from the beginning in the sense of developmentally. What role do we play as parents as we walk beside our children? And then as we go into week two, week three, we'll start talking about what does it look like for them when they get a little bit older. And then last week, we're going to talk about what does it look like when they're a teenager and when they're out of the house. What does our role as parents look like? What does scripture say? And how do we navigate the complexities and difficulties of parenting? Scripture has a lot to say about this. We're first going to start in Deuteronomy chapter 6. So if you've got your Bibles, I'd love for you to open there. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And Deuteronomy chapter 6, what we have to remember is Deuteronomy chapter 5 is before. And Deuteronomy chapter 5 lays out the Ten Commandments. Moses is coming off of Mount Sinai. He's spent time with the Lord. And now God is about ready to give the law to his people, a nation of people, the Israelites, to help them learn how to navigate life. As families, as a nation, how do you equip them so that they will eventually take over the promised land? So Deuteronomy chapter 5 is laying out the foundational conversation. And following Deuteronomy chapter 5, we get in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And God starts dealing directly with families. Deuteronomy chapter 6 says this. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you. To observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. 
and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. We are gonna spend the next four weeks just spending time in Deuteronomy and we're going to be focusing on different sections. But this first section I want, you, I want us to focus on is recognizing this. As God is talking to Moses and Moses is talking to the people, there's some very clear things, instructions, that we as parents and the nation of Israel both need to wrestle with and come to grips with. And I have this plain, cool graphic that I just made up this week. Really what this is saying is for God, he's inviting you as parents to keep the commands to fear the Lord, to obey the Lord, to impress them on your heart, and that you would follow the training and instruction of the Lord. I want you to notice how much is being impressed on you as the family, as the mom and dad, and what it really means to follow the Lord. That it actually starts with you. And out of that comes this next slide. All of those things that you learn in following the Lord, fearing the Lord, instructions of the Lord, that whatever the Lord is asking you to do, the wisdom he's imparting to you, you are called to impress them on your children. And we're going to spend next week talking specifically about this word impress on your children. Because it's got some very amazing word pictures that we need to think about. But the reality of it is, is God is actually making a pretty profound statement in this opening chapter of Deuteronomy chapter 6. And here's the profound statement. God's plan is that you would be the primary authority figure in your child's life. That it starts with you. It starts with you following Jesus. You're in charge. You go, yes, I am in charge. It may not be what you think that is, Okay. It may not be what you think it is. Because the flesh says that when you're in charge, oftentimes it comes from this authoritarian place. And yes, you have authority, but you're not called to be authoritarian. You're called to have authority, but not be authoritarian. You're, you're not called to be passive either. You're not called to just go as the wind blows. No, you are called to be intentional. And as your kids get older, the world starts saying things like, well, you really don't have any influence. You don't have any authority. It's kind of a lost cause. It's just those wondering years. It's just difficult. And the reality is we see through Scripture, God has given you authority over your children. It starts with you. It starts with you. And what we have to recognize in that is that all human authority, all human authority, it's actually delegated authority. All human authority is actually delegated authority because there is actually only one person that is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. But he said before that, all authority on earth has been given to me. And so Jesus delegates authority in order for his world to function from chaos to order. And he's actually invited you to actually play the most pivotal role that you can play in your family as mom and dad. Ephesians chapter 6 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. All the parents say, Amen, right? Amen. 
Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and they may enjoy a long life on earth. What's Paul quoting? Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5, he's quoting. They may go well with you and enjoy a long life on earth. And I just want to say something really quick to the kids. Kids, teenagers, just listen to me before we keep going on on parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. I just want you to think about this. Your parents love you so much, you have no idea. You have no idea. Some of you might have some parents that are just not very good parents, okay? That, that might be the case. But for the most part, we're trying as parents. Your parents love you so much. And the Lord asks you to obey them. And we're going to find out the ultimate reason why here in a minute, but I'll just tell you this. If you're just willing to obey, if you're just willing to surrender, if you're just willing to honor the authority that's been placed over you by your parents, it will go well with you. They will begin to trust you. They will give you, teenage years, more freedom if you're willing to just obey. And they love you. They want what's best for you. I don't understand. We know you don't understand. One day you will. Children, obey your parents for it will go well with you. Verse four, fathers, do not exasperate or frustrate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. You've been given authority over your kids. The question we should be asking ourselves is, what is good, godly authority? What is good godly authority? Is it authority as to how the world operates in regards to authority, or does God actually have some wisdom for us? I think he does. First one we have to recognize is that you yourself are under authority. If Jesus is the one that has the ultimate authority and he's giving you authority over your family, you have to recognize that you yourself are under authority. That Christ is Lord of your life. And if you haven't made Christ Lord of your life yet, he is inviting you to do that. And I would argue you cannot lead, you cannot love, you cannot disciple your children and how God intended until you decide that he is Lord over your heart and life. The full life that God wants for you starts with him. Starts with him being Lord. You are self-willed, but you are not self-ruled. You're self-willed, you have a choice, but you're not self-ruled. Jesus is the one that rules you. And the moment that we think differently about that is when we begin to move into a dangerous place. I love this quote from Dennis Kinlai. He says, Satan disguises submission to himself under the ruse of personal autonomy. He never asked us to become his servants. Never once did the servant say to Eve, I want you to be, I want to be your master. The shift in commitment is never from Christ to evil. It is always from Christ to self. And instead of his will, self-interest now rules and what I want reigns. And that is the very essence of sin. Self. So good godly authority starts with my authority isn't out of my insecurity. My authority is not out of uh, my power. My authority is not even in my wisdom. My authority is actually just given to me by Jesus. And me choosing to submit and surrender to him as Lord. And out of that comes to a recognition that you are therefore a mirror to your child as to what 
God is like. You recognize that? You are actually a mirror to your child as to what God is like. In this statement, I don't know how many times I've sat down with people who are wrestling with who God is and what he's like and the false belief systems that they may have. And I ask them this question, where do you think you learned that? And they go, I think that I learned that God was like that from my mom and dad. Which is one of the like most humbling things for me as a parent. To recognize that the, the role that I play over my kid, that I am actually showing them what God is like and that I may actually wound them. I probably am wounding them. That there will come a day where... Lord willing, we have the type of relationship where they would come to me and say, Dad, you taught me this, but it actually, it hurt me, and it actually wasn't what God was like, and I would have to look at them and say, I'm sorry, you're right. And some of you are living that pain, and you don't even realize you're living in that pain. Some of you men, you're, you're looking at pornography out of the pain that you've experienced in your home. And you've never come to grips with that pain. Because God is a different God than what you think in your mind and your heart. But you don't know any different because what was modeled to you wasn't God and his heart from your mom and your dad. And so the weightiness of that reality should cause us to, to walk in humility of, of number three, a desire to show your child how God interacts with each of us and how we interact with God. That's what the training and instruction of the Lord actually is in Ephesians chapter six, verse four. Is that as I interact with my child, I'm not just interacting with my child in our relationship, I'm actually showing them what God is like because that's the reality of, of parenting. We're showing our kids how God interacts with us and that is humbling. <laughs> because in that reality, I'm recognizing over and over and over again every day, like, man, I have a lot to growing to do. Because I'm not perfect. And I mess up. But ultimately, you are given authority for the good of your children to shepherd their heart and to help them learn how to walk in wisdom. That's what the whole book of Proverbs is about, is how to walk in wisdom. And the two pictures that's used in the book of Proverbs, the analogies that's used, number one is a parent-child relationship. A parent having a conversation with a child about what wisdom actually looks like. So parent, you must take hold of the authority God has given you to help your child learn to live under authority. Because every single one of us are, whether we recognize it or not, we're living under authority. And the ones that are able to actually understand that and come to grips with that tend to actually function well in life. John Whitaker says this, he says, so you've been given authority, and here's what that means. It means you're responsible for what goes on in your home. You set the direction and tone for the culture of your family. You are responsible for the way people talk to each other in your family. You're responsible for the way you treat each other and for the way you interact with each other. You are responsible for all of it. And so when things aren't going well in your home, you should ask the question, how have I contributed to where we are at right now? How have I led that's caused us to be 
where we're at right now because it starts with you. What happens when you choose to live under Jesus' authority? Well, it's interesting. There's this command that comes with a promise. You notice that there's a promise to the parents. There's also a promise to the kids that if you do what God's asking you to do, things go well with you. Things go well with you. So how do you do this? If you're to assume authority over your child, it must be a humble, God-given authority, which the reality of it is, is as you think about that reality, that God has given you this authority and you are actually mirroring to your child what God's like, it, it leads us to humility. It leads me to humility to go, whoa, my job is really big and I've got to take it seriously. And so it leads to humility. Number one, would you take responsibility to your relationship with Christ? You must learn what God is like. Think about that statement just in itself. What's God like? I don't know about you, I've been following Jesus since October 4th, 1994. 24 years? That's not right. 29 years. Yeah, 29 years. And I'm still trying to answer that question. What is God like? Not only for myself, but for my wife and for my kids. And if you were to ask yourself, that's my job to help my kids understand what God is like, kind of changes the idea of like what a quiet time with Jesus looks like every single day, doesn't it? Can you afford to not have a quiet time with Jesus? The answer would be no, I, I can't afford it. Why? Because I have my wife, I have my kids that are looking to me to ask the question, what is God like? Number two, call your child to choose obedience. Why? For their own sake. Because scripture actually says that when a child walks in disobedience, they're actually leading down a path of danger. Of danger. Use discipline as corrective restoration, not punitive. Use discipline as an expression of love, not anger. Where do we come up with this? Look at these passages, Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Proverbs 3, 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Revelation. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. And as we think about this, I just want to ask you some questions. Is yelling the norm or not? Is kindness and respect, is that what prevails in your home? Is obedience expected or not? Is laughter and conversation that what is common? Is prayer frequent or not? What's watched on TV or what's watched on the iPad nowadays? What's not allowed to be watched on the iPad, on the TV? When are people on their phones? When are they not? Where does Jesus fit into your home? The way brothers and sisters talk to each other, about each other. What's the priority? What's not? Where is money spent? Why is it spent that way? And when people respond to each other, when they fail, and when they hurt each other, how do you navigate that? All of that 
how you navigate that is all directly tied to what you believe about God and how you interact with him and how you interact with your kids. I was reminded of this again this last week. Um, I got to work from home on Tuesday, which is about every other week I work from home. And my kids are not allowed. They have to do all their chores. And they got to eat lunch before they can get on screen time. And so uh, my daughter does what daughters do. They, she gets her chores done. And then she quietly goes to her room and reads or draws or colors. Where my two boys, uh, they... It sounds like when I'm in the front porch working, it sounds like they're about ready to destroy my entire home, which that's just wrestling. That's all they're doing. They're just wrestling. And I'll never forget when Noah was about two years old, I came home one day and Natalie was just like overwhelmed. I go, what's wrong? She's like, he's just always into everything and he never stops moving and he's always doing stuff. And I'm kind of like, I don't understand. She's like, I, I didn't act like this. My girl cousins didn't act like this. She didn't have boys growing up. And I just looked at her and I said, that's just what boys do, babe. That's just what boys do, right? So boys are just in the family room and I kind of know when it gets to the, you know, potential broken bone stage or bloody nose stage when the wrestling is going on in the living room. Somebody relate to this? Am I, am I the only one? Okay, okay, all right. Um, so it gets to a certain level. I'm like, okay, there's conflict involved. And then I hear Alice yelling as well. So I'm like, okay, got to enter in. So I enter in and I ask, what happened? He's like, well, they hurt me. Theo got on top of the couch and he launched himself off <laughs> onto my back and it hurt really bad. And so then I hit him and then Alice came in, was trying to help. And then Theo hit her, hit her and I'm just like, oh my goodness, WWE in my living room right here. <laughs> World wrestling, all right. So I had to pull them all apart. I had to figure out the truth. Because luckily my kids aren't good liars. You guys have heard me say this, but I think it's important. Each one of them had a part they played that was wrong. And they know the truth of how they're supposed to behave. We say the same thing over and over and over again, right, as parents? But helping them understand, you're not just being disobedient to me. You're not being unkind to your siblings. And I asked every single one, who are you also disobeying? I know who's 12. I'm disobeying God, Dad. That's right. Alice, who are you disobeying? You and God. Theo's still learning a little bit. Theo, who are you disobeying? You. Who else? And eventually he goes, God. And I go, yeah. So what do you got to do to make it right? I need to apologize. Well, go and apologize to your siblings first, then to me. And every single one of them, I'm sorry, will you please forgive me? And then bringing them all together. Lord, will you forgive them? For they've been disobedient towards you and they've been disobedient towards me. Help them and help them remember that we are okay now because we've asked for your forgiveness. As I stepped away from that, all week long, Theo's been 
reminding his older siblings, don't do that, Alice. You're going to disobey dad and God. (laughs) And I laugh like you laugh. But you know what goes on deep down within me? That's good. That's good. So mom and dad, you've been given authority over your home. What are you doing with it? As we wrap up and take a look at these last couple of things, this is what I know, is that not only do we have these next steps we need to reflect on, but in addition to that, that last one, number five, surround yourself with other parents who can help support, listen, and give wisdom on the journey. Because let me just tell you this, when I became a youth minister, that is when I started realizing, whoa, like, I have a huge part to play in my kids' life that I, Lord, Lord willing, will eventually have kids. I have a part to play. And watching how I was raised and facing the pain of my parents' separation and eventual divorce thrust me even further into that journey. And me and Natalie are not perfect parents. I can tell you that we are where we are in the good that happens in our home because of God's wisdom, his word, his spirit who empowers us, and then the last one, God's people that God has brought into our lives that we were willing to say, help us understand why you do what you do. We need each other. You that are empty nesters, those of us that are in it, we need you. We need you to just listen. We need you to tell us, you're gonna be all right. Keep trusting God's word. You're gonna be all right. We need you. We need each other. Because parenting is hard, and you guys know that. And the only way The only way we keep taking steps forward is we recognize full circle. Jesus is on his throne. And I will serve, surrender myself to him over and over and over again. And I'll keep leaning in with my kids. All my kids are teenagers. They don't require as much of me anymore. That is a lie. They need more of you right now because every single day is one less day before they're off to college so grab a hold of what God's given you steward it well and be reminded that Jesus is King and Lord and that's really where this comes down to as we move to communion is I just want you to have a conversation with Jesus in regards to your parenting. Grandparents, have a conversation with Jesus about your children and your grandchildren. And ask the question, what role do you play as you lead and love and point them to Jesus? 
If you did not grab the elements as you came in and you would like to take communion now, would you just raise your hand? And Kim would love to serve you. Linda would love to serve you, the elements. And we just want to invite you into having a conversation with Jesus as we get ready for communion this morning. Let's pray.